0: he watched. For a few agonizing moments, that was all he could do as the ship drifted into shallower waters towards the unforgiving sandbank of Chale Bay. He closed his eyes and tried to pray again. Below deck, at the very bottom of the ship amongst the crates and barrels, was the man upon which, for that moment, Captain Walker laid the entire blame of the Clarendon's plight.
1: Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Dead Men Talk and the journey continues um, into a necessary end um, We're about the halfway mark roughly um, We, For the next few episodes I'll look into the stories that came about that, that were in the second sort of release of uh, Black, uh, Black Men this is kind of the second half of the series um, it was probably the first time that i really sort of i i done research of some kind into the world of apocalypse into um some like biblical references and some of the the, the sort of the demons and that that are mentioned So some sort of biblical folklore went into the writing of the Wildermore Apocalypse but with Black Gang it was the first book that I that that came out of some sort of actual setting some sort of actual events Um, it wasn't just inspired by them I actually included references to certain things that happened and it'll be good for me to I'm, I've am i said before I'm loving revisiting these books because when you write them, or for me anyway the inspiration comes, the stories flow you write them down, you release them you get them out there you, you rarely really go back to them and in particular even in interviews that I've done lately um, I've not really had the opportunity to delve into these stories that were in that, that make up a necessary end sort of on an individual basis so um, when we visit the next few so starting today with um, in particular passenger 29 the the individual story this whole book the black Gang book was born out of my love and further interest in a particular place and um, and that that will, I'll show you then how it how it fed in to the, some stories I'd already written because obviously I I wanted in some way it wasn't intended as a sequel to House of Courtney when I wrote Black Gang, it was meant to be a a standalone, but it kind of turned into more of a an origin story for the Tricker Jack. It was my vessel to explore his own story rather than just um, just leave him as a single story that existed in the house of courtney so uh so yeah so i'll I'll start at the beginning um again the actual writing of the book probably was a little more scattered than i'll make it um i can't remember which of the individual stories in black gang came first but i'm pretty sure it is in the order that i'll talk about them in. but just to just to keep it just for sort of sanity purposes really i'll um i'll i'll go through the the stories as they exist, or as they existed in Black Gang, and as I think I have still kept them in that order within a necessary end as well So, so it was really back 2016, 2017 I can't remember which we were looking at taking our twin children on a little holiday they'd been abroad with us when they were quite young and I think they were sort of two and a half three and a half at the time, and we decided we wanted some sort of kind of staycation, you know, with somewhere to take them within the UK. Now, I, having grown up in Basingstoke, um, and also my dad then lived in Portsmouth, I got a real sort of affinity with the Isle of Wight, and it's one of those places that if you've been there, you know the beauty of it. You 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 find people who love it as much as you do. And then you've got other people who probably haven't been there, probably look at it with a little bit of a sort of sidewards glance. You know, it's, it, it doesn't sound like the most exotic place to go. You know, yes, it's it's only um, several miles off the English coast. Um, it, it's, it's not going very far, especially for a holiday, I suppose, particularly since, you know, I grew up in Hampshire, so it wasn't even really going out of county so much. But there was something about the Isle of Wight that I remembered. I didn't have specific memories of each trip when I went. But I know I went as a kid. Um, I loved it. it part of me still, I believe, you know, it's, it's sort of like my spiritual home. There is a, a certain draw for me back there. Um, I it, The ferry crossing itself, I think, whenever you go on a holiday where you go on a boat so whether either you go over to France I've been over to France on the ferry Uh, but I think the Isle of Wight is it's still got that holiday feel to it so even though it's only like a 45 minute crossing you still feel like you're going on holiday and when we decided to go to the Isle of Wight um, just we booked a week um, managed to get a good deal so we decided we'll do it you know, and there were a couple of places I remembered from my childhood that I wanted to show my kids, and also show Marie, my wife, because she hadn't been either. So it's like I, I took it upon myself to be like a tour guide for the Isle of Wight, to basically take take them around all the places that that I remembered going, but that I I didn't really have many physical memories of. But there was one place, on the Isle of Wight that still resonates with me and that is Black Gang Chine um, anyone knows it anyone's been there you will know exactly what I'm on about it is a very unique place to go, anyone that doesn't if you're ever thinking of going to the Isle of Wight make sure you, you pay a visit it, it sounds like and it looks like it is aimed at kids but I enjoyed it just as much going back as an adult um, so just a bit of history Black Gang Chine is an amusement park on the south coast of the Isle of Wight. Um for our holidays we stayed in Shanklin and it was probably about, was about twenty minutes, half an hour drive or so, um down to Black Gang. Uh but um so Black Gang Chine was at one time it's, it's like the gorge, the the valley off of the, the village of Black Gang, which goes down to the coast, go down to Chail Bay. Um it is actually the UK's oldest amusement park um, it opened in the 1840s whether that is well known I don't know I didn't know that and it was because of this holiday that we were taking that I decided to and because I'd taken it upon myself to really sell this place you know we needed to visit Black Gang Chine you know yeah the, the kids will love it you know I loved it so they're bound to love it Um, so I researched it Online, that's the first thing that I found was its claim to be the oldest amusement park in the UK, which made it even more interesting. Um, it's owned by family, uh, the Bell family, um, which I believe has has owned the park for much of its history. And it was it was as I delved into the s- certain events that happened down, not just for Black Gang Chine itself as the amusement park, but the the local uh, you know, what had happened down in that area. And I found out that I I remembered going to Black Gang China. I mean a couple of things I, I do remember there's an old photo that I had taken or someone had taken. We went on family holidays. The last family holiday I had there was when I was ten years old. In nineteen ninety four, went down there with my aunt and uncle cousins. Um and my mum and sister there was a picture taken the The most iconic image of Black Gang Chine is they've got like a, I think it's like a 30 foot statue of a smuggler out the front in the main entrance and there was a picture that I'd taken of the main entrance with that statue in it or it was a postcard or something so I remembered that and I remembered my nan and granddad regaled back to me when they took us over there once because we could do a day trip We're living in Basingstoke it, it was it was um doable in a day. You know, you drive down to Portsmouth, get the ferry over. Um it we didn't think anything of it, it wasn't a holiday. Um they took us over there once and they've got one of the attractions there is the Crooked House, which is a small walk through house, little attraction with some weird and wonderful scenes set up, you know, just like a house, but the the whole place of Black Gang China is quite macabre really. It's quite eerie in places, some of the attractions, some of the, the models and the, the animations still exist there from like the 70s, 80s and they look aged they look creepy but to me that just adds to the appeal you know, it, I've never seen a place like it really, to be fair um, and we went in the crooked house and I absolutely screamed my head off I was I hated it. Apparently, I was so scared of it. I was probably only—I don't know how old I was. I can't imagine I was any more than about sort of three, four, five years old. Um, and then we got outside, and my nan um, always delighted in telling me how then my reaction was, "Go round again. You know, I want to do it again." So even though I hated it, I loved it. And I think it's—it's it's, there's something about this place. It's so so unique. That when I I thought we were going there again, I had to put this on our list of things to do. And I mean, as it turns out, our kids, especially my son, absolutely loves it. He's he's really he's taken my love for it, and he's he's sort of carrying it on. Um, he loves watching videos. We've been three times. We went three times uh, over to the Isle of Wight three times in eighteen months. For a week's break, because I loved it so much, and each time we went to Black Gang china at least twice on each trip but uh it's it's an amazing place it's a it's a beautiful setting you know when you go over to you walk through the park, you get some bits which are now quite close to the edge of the cliff, you get views over on the coast and out to sea and yeah it's it's a it's a lovely place to be, but it was the history of it that Got me thinking that there was something in here that I could write about, that I could I could use it as a setting. And at the time, it had nothing to do with the trick or jack. It was um, it was just it was an old creepy setting with some sort of history that I could I could play around with. But one of the things that really grabbed me first was um, to find out that there had been a shipwreck. Um, down at the bottom of of the Chine so on Chale Bay, uh, there had been a shipwreck of a ship called the Clarendon, which um, went down uh, in October eighteen thirty six. So not too many years before the park actually officially opened as Black Game Chime. Chine. Uh, it was a cargo ship. It's coming over from the the West Indies. And. Um, it got caught in bad weather it, it ran aground um, hit the beach rolled over and um, all bar three of the the crew on board and the passengers on board died uh, there were only three three of the crew survived um, and there were you know in all the reports I, I delved into into this and, and started getting a feel for what actually happened and who who was associated with it and I I knew in my head I wanted to write something about this shipwreck, the Clarendon. Um, also, then realized, and I think it was on our second trip to the Isle of Wight that there was actually—it was actually ju- before the second trip that the book was completed—and um, they they had installed in a new feature, new Underworld Kingdom feature. There was a. Um, They'd done like a mock-up of a, a shipwrecked uh, a ship um, that kids can crawl through and and you know play around in, and that was actually based on the Clarendon. So I was I was quite chuffed that there was that kind of link there already. Um, but yeah, I, I I going back to when I discovered reading, I mean, way before I even thought about writing myself. Wilbur Smith was the first author. That I actually managed to read a complete novel of. Um, my in-laws bought me a copy of When the Line Feeds, which was this is this is goes back to um, again this link to the Courtney's for me because I fell in love with Wilbur Smith's Courtney series, centred around a character called Sean Courtney and told the story of of, sort of his legacy through a number of books. And I I would I would read those. It's, it's two of those books. Uh, the only novels that I've gone back and and reread in full as well. So one of the well, th- th- he did a prequel trilogy to the Courtney uh, series that I loved, and it was based at sea. Um, it was it was set I think a hundred or so years before, probably in the same sort of maybe sort of 1700s, I can't remember off the top of my head. A little bit earlier than what i would be writing about in um passenger 29 but i i loved reading i loved the idea of being at sea in those days because you'd be at sea for months on end and you would live a life out there the things you would see things you would have to go through and the this this um two of the books i remember off the top of my head monsoon and blue horizon i can't for the life of me remember what the third one was at the minute. But they were they were all set on this this life, the it was um, telling the tale of two two ancestor brothers of the Courtney, of Sean Courtney's um family line and their life at sea. So when I knew that I wanted to write a story about the Clarendon, I really sort of tapped into how the feeling that came from from those books and I I was only doing a short story so I knew I could only really give a snapshot of um, I couldn't do the entire sort of history of it or anything like that it didn't have to be drawn out but that kind of feeling of doom feeling of threat while at sea and there's very little you can do when or it seems like there's very little you can do when things start to go wrong and in the case of the Clarendon it was mother nature that was really the downfall. You know, it was it got caught in, like I say, in in storms, and um, that was the that was a reason of its, uh, reason behind its plight in the end. I obviously needed to add some sort of supernatural spin onto this, um, just because that's what I had to add something. M- maybe, you know, thinking of an alternate telling of the sinking of the Clarendons, uh, you know, something that could have happened, you know. Yes, it was reported that it was due to storms that they ran aground. Um, what if there was something else, some other reason for its sinking? Um, and then I was drawn to this this claim: the number, the twenty eight passengers on board, and you know they were all accounted for in that. But then I thought, well, what if there was somebody else on board which was indirectly directly responsible for those deaths for the ship going down so again I I loved simply calling it passenger 29 I thought it was it was mysterious um, hopefully would grab people in and then I thought who who would this 29th passenger be because the idea was is that everyone all the 28 that they knew were on board they accounted for them they obviously they knew how many died, they knew how many lived if there was somebody else on board this this 29th passenger who wasn't meant to be there for whatever reason hadn't been declared who would know whether he lived or died so this is, this is what I loved about the writing process back then is I would get a kernel of an idea and it really would just blow up and become something else completely, it would take on its own its own life so, this is when I tried Tied Together Okay, looking at the timeline, the stories that i had written in House of Courtney were very much modern day, or, you know, within like 20 years or so. This was going back, I had the opportunity to link this in, um, and and tell a bit of a backstory, you know, pad one of the stories out, and this is the one that became the origin story of The trick jack i wanted there to be a human element to him um a reason f- where he got where he was how you know how he became what he was yes he's a, a sort of a supernatural entity you know he's a guy that moves between the underworld and the world of the living and and does bidding on behalf of the devil you know and stealing souls and things like that um but there had to be a more human element to him before you know did he have an, I wanted to give him an identity um not necessarily that people could relate to but to make him like more normal because I I absolutely loved some of the movies um or some of the books that I read in the past where you have someone whether they're a, a protagonist or the antagonist but they've got a, a story of their own which may evoke sympathy or you know some sort of empathy at least you know they'd gone through something. The prime example, I think, that I that I could probably say may, maybe inspired this kind of thing is the the character Pinhead in in Hellraiser. I think you get into the second or third film and you realise actually he was a man at one time, um, who you know that he fell upon he he stumbled upon upon this box, and he was dragged to hell and he was made into something else. I wanted that kind of that kind of image in this story as well, that kind of story I thought fit perfectly the um, the tale of the trick-or-jack. And this is the moment that this book then, in my head, became all about him. It was like, this This is a, a chance for me to to pad his story out and actually to give, to make him more rounded and take him in a direction probably some people wouldn't have expected. So I started with... I started taking the sinking of the Clarendon and turning it into my own tale um, I referenced the Clarendon it is set upon the Clarendon um, I've used the actual captain that was aboard, Captain Walker, I've used the the number of passengers, like I say the 28 so I reference um, the tricker jack as the 29th passenger, so he's not referred to as the tricker jack, I had to give him, I had to think about what his identity would have been staying true to what I had started and also like I say I nod I suppose to the Wilbur Smith series that really um, drew me into literature Um, I had to link it to the Courtney's so I um, I went and had a look at the the legacy line of the Courtney family of Devon um, which is who I was really drawing all this inspiration from um, and saw that they their family line the earldom of devon was still existed in this time that the clarendon went down so what i came up with was um the idea that the earl of devon had had some kind of illicit affair abroad while he'd been away um and this woman who fell pregnant with his child um then lived in the west indies she had raised um a boy i think he, i think he was about early 20s he might have been sort of 21 or so in passenger 29 and he has been brought up i named him jonathan courtney so he's been brought up by his mother um who hasn't shied away from his roots she's told him that he is he, he is a Courtney, he's, he's come from a Courtney, he should be proud of his lineage and he is trying to get back to England or trying to get to England to claim or stake his claim to the Courtney estate their wealth because he's been brought up or it's hinted that he's been brought up by his mother to, to say you are part of this line, what they have is yours as well so he. The the story starts with the captain and the crew, um, enjoying a last night in port. I think I even reference it to be St Kitts, which is actually where it's the last port that the Clarendon left before she um, she sank, before she got back to England. Um, they're they're in a they're in an inn. They're they're enjoying the last night there, having drinks and what have you. And Captain Walker. Is approached, or he he see he's he's drawn to Jonathan Courtney. I I wanted to hint that there was something unearthly about him even then. There was a draw. There was a reason why the captain was drawn to him. Um, Jonathan Courtney tells his story, and he persuades the captain to stow him aboard his ship and take him back to England. Please, sir.
0: The young man pleaded. There will be no trouble, A promise. Knowing that he could not afford the unrest of his crew at offering charity to another when they had yet to reap the real benefits of the last four months' voyage, Walker relented and agreed that the boy could go with them. But only under the blanket of night would he board the boat, and into the cargo hold would he stay until they returned to England. Jonathan could barely contain his excitement, rising from his chair with a fist in the air, ready to cheer, before Walker grabbed his arm and forced him back to his seat. Courtney instantly felt the captain's power and immediately respected him. He would owe him more than his life when they finally returned to England, once he had taken his rightful place in the Courtney line. Captain Walker drew close and whispered, I'll come for you at three. The others will all be asleep or passed out by then. Just be ready. Jonathan hugged the captain close for a moment, out of view of the others, and nodded his agreement. Hope had returned to him, warming the places that the alcohol couldn't. Revenge coursed through his veins, pumping the heart that would make them all pay. 3am, and the dawn of the new day could not come quickly enough.
1: And that's really where it starts to turn, because there is something, and I I never hint explicitly as to what, but there is something not right with Jonathan Courtney. He is it's almost like this is this is the, the start of the curse of Courtney, which I then named a necessary end or subtitled necessary end after. The idea that he is there's this stranger that finds his way back to England carrying this curse. It's almost like he's carrying a disease really. He's carrying this curse and he's made it back to England Um, but he brings that curse upon the Clarendon and lo and behold they they run into trouble which then results in the ship sinking but it's really the presence of Jonathan Courtney and whatever it is that is he's brought with him that is the reason for that
0: that night Walker had taken himself to bed early His head felt as though it was splitting and he needed to lie down. However, he would not sleep. For hours he tossed and turned, his body resisting the urge to rest. His mind was racing, scrambled images more horrific than any other flashing behind his eyes. Through it all stood a man, on the surface as normal as you or I, but beneath the finery that he wore which glimmered as he walked through the burning flames raging upon the sea towards Captain Walker's dream self, beat the heart of a demon. Eyes flared, twinkling with the firelight and that smile, enough to unravel the mind of the sanest of men. The man's threat and evil were unspeakable.
1: So... I achieved twofold in this. I loved I'm really proud of this this little story really because it's something historical. It's the first time I I I wrote properly about something that actually happened. Um I I love history and I I'm very fond of a certain amount of like maritime nautical history. Um so being able to write a story like this and I wrote it straight off. I did very little editing to it. The it didn't take me long to write. The idea was there. It was really organic. Um, I didn't do a lot to it. And it exists today as it did in Black Gang. I haven't changed it. Because so I think I achieved what I was meant to achieve. I, t- I retold the, the tale. I, I took something historical. I put my own spin on it. But I've also um, brought this character of the trick jack to life more. By giving him this history, this story to tell so I brought then Jonathan Courtney t- to the shores of England who then at the end um, he he does survive the sinking and it's what happens right at the end that then hints at then his genesis from Jonathan Courtney as a, a human into this supernatural character of the trick-or-jack um, and and yeah that that got the that just set the ball rolling uh, once i had passenger 29 my my love for black gang in particular grew you know i i delved into more history and there's 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 a, a couple more things that i that i bring into the other stories that um that i'll i'll tell more about in the next couple of episodes so uh, the, the black gang as a a whole body of work came out of this holiday that we had planned to the Isle of Wight and me simply uh, remembering Black Gang Chine from my childhood and embellishing really in in its history and finding that one thing that then just hooked me in and made me want to learn more and that was the, the, the sinking of the Clarendon and there is more to tell um, around Black Gang and around the area, but uh, like I say, that will come in the next couple of episodes. But but do if anyone has memories of, of their own of the Isle of Wight um, or of Black Gang in particular, you know, please do comment. You know, or email me or whatever, because I'm I'm a member of a like a fan group, an appreciation group for Black Gang, China on Facebook, and I have been since that time, since that first visit. Because when we went back on that first holiday to um to the Isle of Wight, I was as excited. I was probably the most excited one of us, of us all to go back to Blackgown because all these memories flooded e- flooded back. Even though the the park had changed quite a lot, I wouldn't have really known because I didn't re- physically remember a lot about it. But what I had learnt about it and the the amount of research I put in and the amount of references I tried to make it as as real as possible I will say there is a backstory in black gang that I I wrote sort of in between all the other stories so another link to the um the House of Courtney was this idea of of a guy a bit like um, Gareth miles did in Tr- Jack. he he's going over he's sailing over somewhere with a purpose the main character that is involved in the backstory for Black Gang is a guy called Taylor Pike, and he um, he's cheated on by his girlfriend, so he he's he's looking for the he's really down on his down on his luck. He's feeling really vulnerable, and if you remember from the last episode where I dissected the tricker Jack, this really is how the tricker Jack the the perfect type of people that the tricker Jack preys upon. Um, so Taylor Pike is at a fair, I think one night and he he goes to like a medium or no I don't think it's a fair I think he invites a medium or he sees an advert for like a clairvoyant one night and um he he books a reading with her and she gives him some divine messages which said he's he's got to go on this this trip um but he then he's left this is where the tricker jacks um calling card literally the the jack of spades playing card became his calling card for me i I elaborated on that so taylor pike there is then left a, a, a string of really mysterious messages attached to um jack of spades playing cards which leads him to the isle of wight and i even researched the bus route that somebody would take um, if they're a foot passenger going over from Portsmouth what port they would go into um, and then the bus route they would take to get down to Black Gang because I wanted to reference that I wanted to make sure I had the service numbers, you know the place names that they went through I wanted I had this love that had been reignited for the Isle of white and for Black Gang in particular that I wanted this book to be something that. My viewers could be appreciated by people over there or people that shared in that love of its history um by me making it as genuine as possible whilst also putting my own spin on things you know bringing the tricker jack making as much as I felt black Gang and black Gang chime was my spiritual home it is um shown in the in this book in black Gang that this that black Gang is the or jack's spiritual home. Mainly because of what happens at the end of Passenger Twenty Nine. So I won't say any more about the content of the actual stories because, like I say, there is more to come. There's a couple more stories from that book to uh, to dissect and dive into. But uh, Passenger Twenty Nine is probably, I think, one of the shorter ones on there, but it's the one that really opened it up. Um, yeah, I. It just was born out of the initial part of research that I did just planning for that family trip so out of something just like a family holiday you can get a book and I was so proud of it come the end and, um, and that's one of the reasons why really I uh, when we went back on the second trip I took a few copies with me because I had a couple of places that I referenced in the book that I, I wanted people at, at those places to have a copy Um you know, hopefully to read, you know, maybe to talk about, you know, get some of the locals interested. It didn't happen like that. Um, I'm hoping they enjoyed reading it really. And um but I'll explain more about that as we go on. But uh but there we go. So yeah, passenger twenty nine, um all the all the mini stories that I put into Black Gang, the Trick or Jack Trail, I, I wanted to keep. I was I was I thought they all told this brilliant story. Of the Trick or Jack, um, more so than just the single sort of the original story in the House of Courtney. I I I was really proud of the the backstory I gave him in this whole book, but I couldn't retell the the backstory. Taylor Pike's story doesn't exist in the necessary end. Um, I I couldn't find a, a good way of as I was trying to use these individual stories to tell the whole story of this Curse of Courtney and this this new backstory, I had no place for Taylor Pike or his trip to Black Gang, it just didn't fit Um, so unfortunately you can only if you're interested in it, the the only way to do it is really trying to track down an original copy of Black Gang Um, get in touch, I have still got a couple um, that I may be I may be persuaded to part with for the right reasons to the right people for the right price. Um but if you if you wanted to relive Black Gang a Tricky Jack Trail as it was, and as the original story was this trip for this guy from uh, the south of England down to Black Gang the Isle of White, then um that's really the the best way to do it. But the stories I try to make them still fit into a necessary end that came another um another challenge which I I may well touch on in a, one of the last episodes I don't really want to do too much of it here because there were challenges with each of the stories I think in their own way trying to make them fit against a new backdrop but that was the beauty I think of writing two books like this that like small anthologies because my main focus with each of them is to tell the independent story as it was on its own and then writing the the narrative story to try and link them behind, um, and I think that worked really because I've been able to break them away from the backstory of Taylor Pike and still make them fit, in my opinion anyway. Um, but yeah, but I I still think they they exist as well in that book as they as they did in uh, in Black Gang really. But uh, but there we go. So yeah, if you if you want to find out more about the Clarendon Sinking or um, about Black Gang's history just punch it in I did punch it into Google Um, it's got Wikipedia pages um, associated with both like the Clarendon Sinking and Black Gang Shine itself, I took some research from that but I did delve more into like the local reports on it as well Um, and there is a great website that I'll reference called The Back of the White uh, uk, which gives a lot of the, not just in Black Gang, all over the, the Isle of Wight, it gives um, a lot of the history, all, all all the, you know, some of the stories, well-known stories and, and some of the history behind some of the places. So it's a great, it's a great resource if you're, if you're into...
0: He watched. Kind of so. For a few agonising yeah. moments, so thank you very much that for was all he could do as week. the ship um, drifted into shallower um, waters towards the unforgiving sandbank of Chale Bay. The, he closed his eyes and deck, tried to pray again um, which below deck at the very bottom of the ship amongst now, the crates and barrels was the man upon which for that moment
1: event Captain that occurred, Walker laid um, the entire blame of the Clarendon's plight it was a very easy story not necessarily an easy story to write it was another one that really came to me and wrote itself um, once I again did some research into into what happened so yes, yeah, stay tuned uh, tune in next week for that one Cheers.
0: Jonathan did not afford himself any more precious time, thanking an unseen God that he was still alive, but rather chose to power back to his feet and rush forward towards the refuge of the stone buildings. Each of the doors he tried, however, were locked. Each building remained unlit and silent as if the whole world was asleep. But a rush of wind propelled him forward to the main road and with it a cacophony of voices. Startled, Jonathan looked around him, equally fearful as hopeful that he was not alone. In the distance, he could make out a faint red glow, behind a thin line of houses, as soulless as their neighbours. But it was the light that was calling to him through the wind. Come, it said.
1: The sound samples used in this episode are from the audiobook version of A Necessary End, narrated by Dave Jackson and is available for download on Audible and Amazon. If you like what you hear, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please do check out the audiobook, as well as the ebook and paperback copies of A Necessary End, also available through Amazon and all good bookstores online. <laughs>